You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Very good, Kirsten. I'm in a buzz. I know why, too, because you had the Melbourne Design Awards last night. I did, and actually, there's big numbers. Big, big numbers. I Actually, I feel like President Trump if I sound like that. So, <laughs> so I'm not. Like okay, I'm, no, no way. <laughs> No, I'm not anything like President Trump. But what caught me about that whole event, this is, you've been at this for nine years. Well, last night we presented the 45th awards program that Driven by Design have run. Wow. And I think there was 6,000 brands have been uh, in that program. It, it's 6,000 brands that we've had over the years involved with us. It's the ninth Melbourne Design Awards, but most importantly... There was $18.2 billion of economic activity that we awarded. That is amazing. Yeah, and so when you, when you start to think in those numbers, $18.2 billion, that comes back to this whole thing about executive design. Design is now bedded in the boardroom, mm -hmm. and when it's bedded in the boardroom, you're talking billions of dollars, not millions or hundreds of thousands. It's driven by design. It is, it is. <laughs> but, but we've got five amazing projects we're going to look at here. The people who, uh, well, actually, the 20-odd that picked up uh, silver as well are astounding, but we haven't got enough time to talk about we that. We haven't, and we've, we've already been in conflict today because we were, we were having an argument about which should win this week. Really? Argument, such a harsh term. <laughs> Discussion, debate, whatever listeners, you like to say. I, <laughs> listeners, I went and I sought counsel from uh, from Kirsten, and she cancelled me. Cancelled me on that uh, the project that was going to actually take out our best project today, which is the fifth one we're going to be talking about. Is um, uh, she was absolutely right on what would be that project? Well, well, we'll get there. But where are we starting first? We're going to. Start, I think it's it's all to do with the eyes this week, isn't it? It's all in the eyes. That's it. So, um, so we're looking at three uh, D printed corneas here, and uh, I'm not sure how much you know about corneas. Well, I've had a little bit of exposure to corneas having laser sight, uh, laser surgery many years ago. So, got to experience firsthand my cornea actually being. Like cut and put back again. Okay, so you so you had a retread on your cornea. Totally, and and it's amazing. Like this for me, when I saw this award and what they'd done, I was like, this is where they've actually taken. They've looked at scientists, say, said, where can we apply technology and just progressed this area so dramatically. It's and, pretty exciting. And so there's a bunch of factors that have come in here. So so that applying technology and actually there's a couple of things that have happened here where we're seeing, you know, they're, they're standing tall on the shoulders of others. But one of the things that was a step up there in the technology was when we saw the idea of fetal stem cells. Well, and see, for me, this is one of those things where some of the best design comes out of constraint. It does. Right? And in that case, there was a lot of controversy around fetal stem cell research and what was happening there. So people were constrained. What did they do? They, they took that constraint and said, how do we, can, is there another way to do this? Exactly. And so, so that fetal stem, stem uh, fetal cell. <laughs> Don't have to drink and say that. Oh, gosh. I must have been presenting too much. Okay, I'll try to get it right now. The fetal cell. <laughs> fetal stem cell. <laughs> okay, well, obviously, listeners, I can't get that out at the moment. But what happened there was that we saw that there was this constraint put on through legislation because people felt that uh, the idea of bioengineering was going to cause um, some trouble for them on their ethics. 
But then the scientists went around and said, well, does it need to be fetal uh, stem cells? And they turned around and that they actually worked out that they could do it with any stem cell. And that is, so that in itself is an amazing progression. Then it's been applied where they've said, okay, let's take this corneal stem cells, and <laughs> another one of those, and apply this technology where they've been able to use bioink and generate a cornea. And you've got to think this bioink goes all the way back to Florian in his lab when he was try- uh, discovering penicillin because that's about cultures and dishes. And we've had, you know, over a hundred years since that, since that occurred. And scientists just know how to grow things now. Mm-hmm. So, so we've got that technology about can you grow. We've got bioinks, we've got 3D printing. And what they've been able to do is work out how do you apply that together and break the nexus of one cornea donor to one recipient. Mm-hmm. And now that one cornea, uh, cornea donor can turn around and that they can go provide their, D- or their DNA and those humal, human corneal stromal cells. You've got to remember the stromal <laughs> cell, I'm a fan of them. So they can get their stromal cells, put it into a culture and breed them so that that one donor can now impact 10 or 100 times the population that they previously could. So pretty amazing advancement in technology. And then, so they get that advancement, but then in less than six minutes, they can print Prince a corneal. <laughs> so, okay, so I can understand why you wanted this to be the winner, right? But, and it has come out of Newcastle University. That's another fantastic thing for Australia, Australian invention here. So, all right. so it's, it's hitting all the chords. It is, it is hitting all the chords. But I want to go flying now because our next project that we're going to look at is the... Uh, Zuman, actually, I wonder if you meant to say it like Zuman. I think it's Zenum. Zenum? Z- Zenum? Maybe. Okay. And so that's the Swiss pronunciation, Zenum. I think the American would be with Zuman around. Zuman Air Electric Aeroplane. Now, this is, when I looked at this, I, it immediately came to mind. It's almost the Tesla for the sky. That's pretty good. You know, if we're thinking about it. And again, when you start thinking, oh, would I really want to go in a plane? So it's about autonomous flight. Well, actually, and I'm going to pull you back a step because it's either human-guided or autonomous. So right. let's go in the human-guided. Human-guided. Now, the reality is, plane, and this is what we're not thinking about half the time, planes now, even though you've got pilots sitting at the front, they're not really doing anything half the time. Look, I've had barbecues where I've spoken to some pilots. So I'm really glad there's auto, auto, <laughs> automation in the planes. So, sorry to the pilots that I know. But, but the idea that you've got for short-haul flights that you can go use electricity stored in batteries and then make that the propulsion. So that's fantastic for the environment. You're reducing emissions there, you're going to reduce fees and fares It also means that there's, we're taking down some of that sound envelope mm-hmm. that, that is associated with air travel. And it's got to be safer because if you think about autonomous driving on in roads, you've got all these obstacles that can potentially impact those cars. In the air, as you've outlined before, it's safe. Like it's, it's basically airspace is tightly controlled. So it's probably safer than on the road. Well, there, there's no mooses running out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so you, yeah, you have got a much um, more constrained environment with less unknowns that are likely to occur. And uh, I think the idea of autonomous flight is going to come in before we go see full autonomous vehicles on the road. This is an amazing project here. And what it's doing is it's part of a, there's like this land rush that's going on when it comes to electric aeroplanes. Um, this is an astounding uh, result that's come out here. It's used available technologies. It's applied them together. As you said, the Tesla of the sky. Wow. Wow. And look, 
more exciting projects, okay? So we're, we're now to Red Hydrogen smartphone slash camera system. And when I saw this, I thought, hey, this is a pretty sexy looking phone for starters, right? But I'm it's so more... worried about you. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's... the idea that you're finding a phone which is meant to be a functional cinema, <laughs> cinematographer, content creation tool, sexy, it's that, that's worrying. Cool. It's cool. And, well, and also the idea of it as well, right? So um, for people who don't know, I think it was Lord of the Rings was taped on. Yeah, so Peter Jackson had picked up the red cameras very early on. They're the people who were the forerunners when it came to bringing 4K digital images to the screen. If you've watched any of Peter Jackson's movies, you'll, you'll be seeing stuff that's been shot on red cameras. So people would be saying, and look at the content that's being generated now online, right? If we look at it, what's you know, across Facebook, Instagram, all of these things, it's all video is this massive medium. Now, people would be saying, well, what's the difference between this and an iPhone video? Well, I, I think that's, so in, in digital cameras and, and say all video cameras, film cameras, what you want to do is actually find out how much contrast there is. So I'm going to get a little techy here. You talk about the number of f-stops of contrast. And if you want to get those really subtle shadows in there, which actually makes you feel like, oh, that's really cinema, cinemagraphic. And the contrast and things. That's going to come yeah. from something like a red camera. It's not going to come from an iPhone. Mm. And so it's a little bit like MP3 files, which is about cutting out lots of bits of, uh, to compress it down. You're going to find that there's a massive difference from people who come from a cinematography background than there are people who come from making iPhones. Well, and the thing here, though, for me, is it's disseminating content creation to the masses, right? And in a quality level. And imagine if you were, look at the equipment these guys, poor guys have to take on site. And also potentially not capturing things because they haven't got all the equipment with them. And, and as we've seen, you know, all of the rigs that are around for people to go actually use their iPhone or their Samsung phone to turn around and actually do content creation, that we're now seeing that these guys are saying, okay, we've got a serious bit of kit here. It's meant for somebody who wants to add things onto it. It's got this amazing feature connection so that people can put hardware devices on. You can put additional optics. This is astounding as a piece of design here. I've got to tell you, I might even get one myself. And look at the price point too. It's a similar price to an iPhone. That's the crazy thing. Again. Well, you know, the one thing that I don't think we ever really focus on is the price. So no. let's keep moving on That's spoken like a designer. <laughs> okay, let's go to Magic Tower here. Well, I, look, again, Crocon, fantastic Aconex client. So um, I have to give them a plug at this point, or Oracle and Aconex client. Listeners, now. it is fantastic to see that we only had to get 10 minutes into this podcast <laughs> and Kirsten's already plugging Aconex, yeah? And Oracle. Uh, no, Aconex, Oracle, sorry, I, I forgot that slash. But let's get here into the Magic Tower. It's in Melbourne, it's uh, the Royal Society of Victoria, Mm -hmm. who had this little triangular plot of land in Melbourne. I think most people would have driven past it and never would really never known, known what it was. Yeah? And what they've done is that they've gone and actually got an arrangement through Decibel Architecture and Grocond, who are one of the large uh, builders, construction companies here. And they're doing a development play that means that the Royal Society of Victoria get to go keep their own piece of land, very similar to what MoMA have done well, or Elvin Alley in New York. this a model that's already been proven overseas. Yeah, so they brought that New York model, which is how do you go take the piece of land that you own and actually use the airspace above it 
to go give you economic leverage. This site's been with them for something like 160 years, and I think the strategy that they've taken here is actually like to propel them for another 160 years on promoting science and knowledge in the Victorian community. Astounding. And, and, and what they've done, I mean, it's the economics of design has been sorted here. And they've basically gone and said, okay, how can we continue in this space? And done a commercial arrangement where they're giving a lot of the property to the property developers to use and resell. They're taking a portion still for profits, but they're also going to have a number of um, levels for a science hub as well. So it's it's really exciting model, and I think something that a lot of um, you know non for profits and things could be thinking about as well. Uh, look, it, this model is basically the New York non for profit model, mm. and it's great to go see it being leveraged in in another um, jurisdiction, another economic centre, um, and. It's also, it is just one beautiful building that the team at Decibel Architecture have pulled together here. We look forward to seeing it going A magic on. tower. But, I love it. But I we're getting down it. to our fifth and final project well, of today. And we, I think we have saved the best for last. Okay, so this has all the elements. It, this is a feel-good story I think we're about to hear. So what's the hear. project called? Well, <laughs> Be My Eyes. Even the name. I mean, how could you not love this? But I think what really spoke to me about this was Volunteering is something that you know people do want to participate in. They do want to have um, something that helps others, but people have struggled for time. They struggle with time. I haven't got the time to. I love to help, but I haven't got the time. So these guys have come up with a concept where anybody could participate in and really provide the difference to somebody else's life. And that's why when I saw this, I thought this is amazing. Simple, simple concept, mm. but amazing. So let's talk about the concept. Okay, so the idea that you're able to go um, get sighted people to volunteer to help people who are either blind or with low vision, connect them using the video cameras that are in their smart devices, and then give them instantaneous real-time assistance. And so they're using tech basically, to connect people together. And, and what I found really interesting is that this is a Danish project, and as a project, if you're trying to solve something in the Danish market, you've then got to think about, well, what happens at midnight when mm -hmm. no one's around? So it was one of the ways that you solve that is that you then say, well, I'll take people from all around the globe as volunteers. And so it's already, this program has already got 1.5 million volunteers and 85,000 people who are vision impaired are using this. That is astounding. It is, and the idea that they've got 150 countries, 180 languages that are supported in it, and that matching process, you get to, a, you know, it would have been piloted for a number of years. There would have been some gaps in the service that's available. But they've now got to an ecosystem which will mean for those 180 languages, 24-7, that there are people that can go and support and help people, uh, you know, low vision people or no vision people. This is an astounding, if you think ecosystem design, and that ecosystem takes a while to grow. It isn't just what you do on a piece of paper. So, you know, to the team here at Be My Eyes, they've um, come from a background in supporting people with low vision. They've turned around, they've put a proposition into the market, piloted it, and they've got past that threshold of having over a million volunteers. It is, it's amazing. And just in watching the video, and, and if you're listening to, to the podcast today, check out the site, take, go to and see the links for this. We've already downloaded the app and we want to be part of this community. And I love the intro. It, what you'll see in the video, it says, would you care to be my eyes? I mean, it's got me. It had to be the winner this week. <laughs> 
You keep doing that to me. You keep mentioning week. This kills us oh, doing month, it monthly. Month, let alone, <laughs> what are you trying to do? Actually, we I, talk about this stuff everywhere. I, I was in New York with Paola Antonelli at moment, and she turned around and she said, I'll give me a call when you're doing it weekly. A little bit like, oh, monthly. And I'm going, both you and Paola are trying to kill me here. It's hard enough as this. You know, listeners, we love doing this, but it is grueling getting through all of these projects every month. We're glad we're bringing it to you, and we'll be back in a month's time with Now Six Collection. Mm -hmm. But that's a wrap for us today on Now Five. Thanks, Kirsten. Thanks, Mark, for having me again. And listeners, um, we're going to keep driving as much as we can, as much information that we can get out to you. Don't forget, look at the links associated with the podcast so you can see all the projects and be driven by design.